What's happening in China's property market? Here's an explainer for you. Hi, I'm Fengli from Bond Supermart. Welcome to another episode of our podcast series where we share with you about newborn issues and hold discussions on the fixed income market. So today, we welcome a guest from Hong Kong to discuss about the China real estate crisis and the possible opportunities or maybe dangers within. He's a senior research analyst with IFAS Financial. So Jason, please say hi. Hello, everyone. Hi, Jason. Thank you for joining us today. So we all know that China's property sector has been facing problems for a while and it seemed like the China real estate investment has slumped further. So investment in real estate declined 7.2% in the first five months of 2023. Now, can you give us a brief idea of what the backdrop is like um, now for the real estate sector in China? Um, sure, sure. So actually, we have prepared some data um, to share. So first of all, it's related to the property sales. So um, in September, the top 100 developed sales um, were around 440 billion uh, RMB, uh, which was increased by around 60% uh, month over month. So it knows um, the buying settlement in the China property market is improving um, due to the recent um, relaxation policies in the real estate side. Um, for example, um, the relaxation of the mortgage uh, restriction in tier one cities and also the relaxation of the purchase limit in different cities. So we saw a huge diversion uh, between the long SOE developers. Um, this is one category. And the another category is SOE developers and Hong Kong-based developers. So those um, SOE developers uh, some of them um, even record a strong growth or resilient sales. For example, uh, Poly, um, Jimmo. On the other hand, the Hong Kong uh, developers also caught up with the sales. So um, newer developments um, and also carry properties. You can see they now are within the top 100 developer list. In the past, we never see their limbs. Um, however, um, for those long SOE developers, especially those in distresses or defaulted, um, we're still uh, struggling um, to push their sales. Um, we believe that this kind of um, divergence will be continued because the home buyers now um, may more concerns about the risk of suspended projects. Um, they stick um, out um, the pre-sales projects um, developed by the SOE or Hong Kong developers rather than those defaulted or distressed um, um, or SOE peers. Um, because those SOE uh, and also Hong Kong developers, they have a higher capital strength and also lower risk of properties uh, being uh, suspended. And on the other hand, uh, regarding the more macro data side, actually the new uh, property investment uh, from January to August um, dropped by around 8.8% year over year. So the sentiment is quite uh, negative. And on the other hand, over 50% of the top 100 developers did not acquire new land. So this shows the negative outlook from the developers' point of view. Um, and also, those, uh, many of them are facing the liquidity issue and they did not have the sufficient capital to acquire the new land. And we expect more default case to become. Um, for example, um, this week, you can see China SCE, a top 100 developer, also announced a long default. Um, we expect the overall industry takes a longer time to recover let's say two to three years. 
Okay, that's unfortunate to hear. Now, China's huge property industry has been an important engine for economic growth, accounting for, I believe, as much as 30% of the country's GDP. So how will this crisis affect China's economy? Um, yes, I think the property sector actually makes a huge impact to China's um, GDP. Um, we believe that the GDP growth will tend to be moderate um, due to the lack of the growth driver from the real estate side. Um, it should be, I mean, the target growth um, should be um, within our, or our 1-5% for this year. Obviously, it's quite weak compared to previous at least 7%, 8% GDP growth for China. And the punch in property sales are really resulting in a lot of um, spillover effects, um, like the loss of confidence of different parties in the um, developers' equity. So let me explain a bit. Um, actually, the operating risks are much higher for those long SOE developers because um, the suppliers and the workers, all these parties, now request a cash payment rather than being paid by the commercial paper or payables in the past. So developers had to settle down this kind of um, payable uh, by cash or face a risk of project suspension. So that said, um, the cash outflows will be more surface related to the operating activities. Um, you can see most of the distressed uh, developers cannot even record a positive operating cash flow in the first half of 2023. You can see this uh, in their earning results. And the sales punch is one of the factors, but the developers cannot make use of the payables to delay payment. This is unlike in the past. Um, it's this kind of um, um, unable, being unable to, um, to delay the payment is another factor to result in the um, negative operating cash flow. So um, I call it this kind of a break in their business model. I see. All right. So narrowing our focus further, the property slump also affects employment and delay payments to suppliers, bondholders. So can I understand from you the possible repercussions and is there any negative impact on the fixed income space? Um, actually, yes, um, about the fixed income space, actually the break in their business model, uh, it could be the core reason to explain why uh, most of the developers, I mean, for long SOE developers are unable to survive after they will pay some debts in 2022 or even some may still pay some debts um, in 2023. But however, those considered as high quality developers, um, which is certificated by governments, uh, for example, uh, Country Garden, uh, CFE, uh, China SCE, uh, those tiers, um, they actually ca um, can um, issue the onshore bonds and guarantee by the, uh, by the SOE in the past, um, past one year. However, they now are uh, eventually in trouble. So um, the break in the business model could be the core reason why uh, most of them um, are unable to pay their bonds because the liquidity is um, actually quite weak. Once the confidence in those developers' liquidity is still weak, um, it's unlikely to see those defaulted or distressed peers to turn around in the future, even though you can see the sales may pick up a bit going forward. I see. Um, okay, and several large developers are still trying to restructure their debts, right? So could you highlight to us um, some of the restructuring status for some of the key developers? Um, yeah, I think now the market is more focused on the big fee. Um, um, that is the uh, Evergrande, uh, Sunnet, and Country Garden. 
actually for um African um you know they suspend the research training plan and now the group is unable to reach um the agreements with several stakeholders, for example the mainland government and also caste creditors. And as what Evergram mentioned, um, they are unable um, to issue the new bonds, even in the offshore market. Um, it can only be restructured through other approach, uh, for example, the debt to equity swap. So we think that this kind of um, flexibility um, is quite low, uh, given that um, the current value of their shares. Um, you know, Evergram um, actually have the shares listed in Hong Kong. Um, their price is quite low, so that is um, not enough to cover the amount of the offshore debt. So um, it comes uh, probably half year or even longer to tackle these issues. For example, discussing with the mainland government or and also propose the new one of the restructuring plan. So um, as you may know, uh, regarding some personal changes, um, Hui Yen, the chairman of Evergrande, actually subject to mandatory pressures due to the uh, suspicion of um, illegal crimes. And the CEO and also CFO also detained uh, by the authorities or by investigations uh, by the police. So um, the market, uh, I mean, the, uh, in Hong Kong or in China, actually has a lot of discussion regarding this. So from our end, um, we have to understand that um, it's quite hard to um, analyze this kind of um, news, especially it's related to the political side. But our view is that um, actually this kind of investigations is likely to be the individual issue of African rather than the industry problems. So most of the other defaulted um, developers should be able to restructure their offshore debts. The successful case include modern net in the past, and we may see soon that um, actually would be the least successful case um, um, in the future. So um, let's talk about SNET uh, because I already mentioned the links. And actually, um, they, the offshore restructuring plan of SUNET was already approved by the creditors and the courts um, yesterday. So um, SUNET should be able to um, to issue the new bonds, to do the um, um, equity swap, and also to issue this kind of different kinds of instruments expansion in their restructuring plan. And the also entity also uh, pay some upfront and insurance uh, payment for the also bonds. So it seems like the SUNET would be one of the potential cases to fulfill the requirements of turns around. But now SUNET's um, property sales is still um, not picked up um, at the moment. Um, on the other hand, um, Country Garden, I think now the market is more focused on this uh, company. And actually the uh, Country Garden, they um, did not have the official default on their offshore bonds, but they already extend the maturity days of several offshore bonds. Um, it's the signal of the default um, in the offshore bonds um, later. So actually we think that um, the fairing down, I mean the um, default on the offshore bonds uh, will be soon or later. Um, actually, um, this is uh, there are a few reasons to explain why. The first is that the break in the business model as mentioned, and on the other hand, the poor sales figures and also the surface regulatory sales proceed requirements, this will trap the um, cash on hand for uh, for country garden and also the tightening with financing channels. Also, uh, the factors that uh, we believe that country garden is unlikely to turn around in the um in the next uh what uh, next few months. So eventually they either default on their bonds directly 
or extend the maturity date of the principal's uh, payment. So this is also equivalent to technical defaults on the bonds. I see. Thank you, Jason, for the summary. Uh, so with challenges also comes opportunities. So as the Chinese property sector struggles with its challenges, does it also present opportunities for investors? Um, yes, actually you can see the, uh, the debt default uh, most likely um, or mainly happen uh, for the residential real uh, estate developers. But some uh, peers, I won't say peers, some, uh, uh, some of the companies actually have different kinds of business model. Um, let, me, let me give you some names. Um, the first one is GLP, Global Logistics Properties. Um, the, you can see the bond price still punch um, a bit. And I think that is really a reselling under the Chinese real estate crisis. Um, as mentioned, actually these crises are mainly happen in the residential side rather than the commercial real estate. And GLP actually focus on the logistics and alternative assets. And they have the robust and resilient business model. For example, they have a lot of recurring revenues from the commercial properties and also recurring management fee from the asset light business. So the development business also runs well, um, where they can deliver um, an impressive development margin of over 20% while being able to sell the properties um, to the um, GLP manager funds or the, uh, the third parties. Um, and um, at the moment, they also plan to dispose um, sizable assets to improve the liquidity. So if the deals are successful, then it could be the very positive signal to the bondholders. And the another company that I think um the credit or the liquidity are still resilient are uh, New World Development. And actually, um this company is a Hong Kong local uh, developer with some exposures in Chinese properties. So it's true that um New World Development faced several kinds of um, challenges. For example, the rate high cycle in the U.S. are resulting in a higher funding costs um, in Hong Kong dollar and also the difficulty in refinancing through the offshore bond issuance. Um, this could be the headwinds of um, NWD, um, New World Development. But I think that um, this company should be still resilient in terms of the liquidity and the group's um, um, default risk should be under control. So over the medium to long term, actually New World Development have a number of ways to replenish the liquidity. For example, the disposal of the long core assets like the hotels, the shopping malls of um, non-K11 investment properties and also the car parks. Um, on the other hand, they already cut the dividend, cut the regular dividend to, um, to enhance the liquidity profile. And the last research um, is the uh, white issues. They can do the white issues to replenish the fund and also um, speaking of the K11 properties to at least uh, replenish over 20 billion uh, funds uh, from these two, I uh, mean, the white issues and also the spins of K11 properties. So to summarize, um, I won't use the word um, survivors to describe GLP and new world development. And actually, they should not be the pool of the potential default cases because their business models and the balances are quite um, different from the Chinese real estate developers. Those um, default or distressed uh, developers have very high leverage and also the, the high inventory turnover model um, in the residential property developments in Chinese uh, markets. So um, actually in our platform, Bond Supermarket, um, there are some articles discussing these two, two issues. So um, actually the audience, you can take a look.
Wow, thank you for sharing. I do remember seeing your article on Bon Cinema as well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so let us try and put on our critical thinking cap, okay? Um, I understand that GLP is actually a Singapore incorporated company with significant businesses in China and it is not a listed company. So if I'm not wrong, um, GLP's financial policy is actually approved by the GLP Board of Directors and is reviewed by the Audit Committee on a quarterly basis. So that said, how can investors and the general public gather insights on its finances and will investors' confidence be in the way for investing in their bonds? So um, your question is also my question in the past. Actually, um, as you may know, um, JLP was a listed company before 2018, but it was privatized by a Chinese consortium. Um, so um, this results in the lack of information uh, for some of the peers. Um, however, now GLP expects to release their results annually on SGS. So investors can um, go to the SGS website, search the issuer link, um, GLP PTE, and then find their properly um, announced information. So besides the results, um, they also provide the MDNA for your better understanding. So they provide a lot of information like the operating performance, like the occupancy, the retention rates of the talents, and also the financials and some other kind of discussion um, in the MDNA and also their financial results. So um, that's why we have can um, still analyze this um, issue and also drill in their credit matrix and the fundamentals. So we could conclude that um, the bond credit risk should be under control based on what we got from those information and financials. Oh, that's great to hear. So um, shall we wrap up with a quick summary on the property sector's outlook? Um, sure, sure. So uh, I believe um, to understand the full picture, uh, we can briefly develop into two parts, the residential property side and also the um, commercial uh, property side. So first of all, um, the residential property outlook is quite weak. So you know um, the sales um, are likely to recover uh, very soon. And the gross margin of those property projects is declining. You can see some of them even record negative gross margin in their property uh, projects, uh, which is mainly due to the decline in the uh, selling price of the new properties and also the poor project sell full rate and also the recognition of the high land costs from the peak uh, period in the past, say from the 2019 to 2021. So usually when we talk about the defaulted developers, um, you could see most, if not all, are the residential property developers. So these uh, property developers, their first priority is to ensure the home delivery rather than the debt repayment, which could be the sad news to the bond investors. Um, the market now uh, expect a very uh, a bit low recovery value um of the offshore um defaulted bonds after they default because those defaulted um developers uh, may eventually enter into a insolvent stage. Uh, that means in terms of book value, their asset value is less than the liability side. So we already saw Evergrande, uh, Arjun enter into this uh, stage. Some other um peers may enter this stage soon. So a large amount of the bond haircut is likely for some uh, week or, and also defaulted peers. So um, overall, we expect more default cases um, to become 
um, due to the uh, poor sales figure and the break in the basis model and the surfboard regulatory uh, sales proceed requirement as well as the tightening refinancing channels. And some SOE developers and Hong Kong-based developers with um, stronger capital strength may benefit um, from the trend because turns out um, in this uh, market, they may um, increase their market shares. But overall, the industry outlook um, on the residential side is not quite positive. On the other hand, regarding the commercial real estate side, um, the outlook is a bit better, but um, they are still facing uh, some headwinds. For example, the slowdown in the overall economy and also the higher unemployment rate and the real effects from the housing depreciation and the local uh, weak uh, consumption and the business uh, investment. So these are the factors that are uh, that for the happiness in the commercial with SSI. So we already saw some malls and offers face some pressure in the occupancies, occupancies in mainland China. Um, but some of these headwinds could be offset by the lower interest rate in Yemenbi, which could support the valuation of the commercial property. This may allow the property owners to get more funds by increasing their loan to value ratio to uh, improve their liquidity. So for the bond investors, um, the commercial real estate side may be um, you can take a closer look to this kind of category uh, because um, actually the bond default or the loan default uh, is unlikely to as surface as the residential side. I see. Thank you so much, Jason, for your time and for educating us on China's property sector. Now, this episode was brought to you by Bond Supermart. And our guest speaker with us today is Senior Fixed Income Analyst Jason Shi. Follow Bond Supermart on Twitter, Facebook and Telegram to get first-hand updates on newborn issues, credit updates and special events. For bond information and article, visit our website, bondsupermart.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.